Scripture talks about that. But what an eternity separated from God will be, I think fire is the least of problems. I think even worse than that would be, I think, what, what this man in the story probably experienced. Regret. You're listening to audio from Century Baptist Church. To connect with us, visit centurybaptist.org or download the Century Baptist Church app. Father, today we, we're here uh, for that very reason, just to proclaim you as our Lord, uh, as our God, uh, the one who created the universe. And from the beginning of time, you, you knew us. You had a plan for us. Uh, not only our, the lives that we live, but uh, how our lives would get rescued drawn into relationship with you. You are truly the name uh, that is to be exalted. Jesus, your name, the name above all names, the one that rules over us. And so as we open your word today, Father, would you just help us to understand more and more about you as the authority in our lives and what our role is in that. In your name, amen. You can have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Say before we get started, just uh, some some, I would say, exciting uh, news to share with you. Uh, it's, been, um, it's been over a, a year and a half since we uh, lost our good friend, Pastor Dave Gallagher. And, and uh, it's been a journey. Uh, and and uh, we, we miss him. Uh, we also miss the, the role that he filled. And so we've been, uh, for the past number of months, we've been on a search for a pastor, a care pastor, to add to our uh, our team, I want to say first of all, with all that, thank you, thank you to uh, to those who have risen to uh, expand kind of our care ministry in the absence of of anyone in that position. It's been great to see uh, how. Uh, the body of Christ has taken care of each other. And thanks as well. Thanks for showing grace. Maybe if you were at a point and it felt like maybe you were feeling like there's this, maybe I wasn't, I wasn't cared for as much as I, as I would have liked to have been. Thanks for just extending that grace as we're just in that process, that in-between. Uh, and so for the last number of months, we've had a search team made up of a number of individuals among our congregation that uh, have uh, done, we've done, honestly, a global search and put it out there. We had a number of people respond. Our team did interviews. And uh, we are, we're, I would say we're excited today to announce to you that we have a candidate for care pastor. His name is Reverend Paul Ewing. And, uh, and Paul uh, has been, for the last over 20 years, uh, one of our NAB missionaries in Japan. He and Melissa and their three boys. And they just recently ended their term. And, um, and uh, in January, started kind of life back here in the States and looking for, for what God would, would do next in their lives. And, uh, and so uh, we got a chance to, uh, to chat with him and really feel like he'd be a great fit. Now, if the name sounds familiar, first of all, because he was a missionary in, uh, in Japan that we've been uh, supporting ever since they, they went to Japan. Also, he's a son of the church. So uh, he was here as a, as a teenager, so grew up here at Century. So if you're a, a Century uh, old schooler, you would know him. But also his dad served as our lead pastor in the 80s. And so uh, he's not his dad, 
Uh, we all understand that and know that, but we're just really excited. And so I uh, want to let you know that we have a, uh, a candidating weekend. And so we haven't done this for, uh, it's probably been eight years now. Uh, but here at Century, the way that it operates is we bring in someone for a candidate. There'll be a number of, uh, of committees and groups and teams that he'll meet with. He'll be here on Sunday morning, he and Melissa both, and then have a Q&A time on the evening of March 3rd, and then at 5 o'clock we'll have a, a, a congregational meeting, a member, members meeting to vote on uh, whether or not we will call uh, the Ewings to come and join. And, uh, and so we're, we're excited about it. Uh, Pastor Paul Hur and I are trying to figure out what we're going to call him because we don't need another Paul uh, on, on this staff. And so uh, we might just make it easy and just rename everybody Paul. Um, it just makes it a whole lot easier for me to, I, I, no long, I now have two people to pass notes off to. Hey, Pastor Paul's supposed to call this person back. And so, uh, so we'll, we'll pass it all off on him. So we're excited about that. If you could just continue to be in prayer, thanks for your prayers during this time. Uh, and, um, and, and like I said, we're not, we're not asking anybody to come and fill anybody else's shoes. We're, we're asking, uh, would you want to join this team to help build the kingdom of heaven? And that's what it's all about. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22 today. Um, a, a continuation of where we've been the last uh, couple of weeks. And as you're turning there, um, let me just say, uh, it's, I know it's a little bit foggy, doesn't really feel like it, but, but honestly, like we all know, like it just, there's something different. It feels like spring is, I mean, the groundhog didn't see a shadow, right? It's hopefully spring's coming soon. It hasn't been too terrible of a winter, but with spring, they always say what, like love is in the air, right? And so this is about the time of year that you start opening your mailbox and you start getting the save the dates and the, and the wedding invitations for the time that you need to set aside this coming summer to come and to celebrate a marriage that is going to take place. We received one uh, a, a couple months ago that, uh, that we're kind of excited about, a friend of ours who uh, is, is in ministry uh, and, and kind of has been a part of our life since we started out. We lived in Sioux Falls and while we were going to seminary, um, and, and uh, he was a part of our youth ministry as a student and got a chance to walk, through, walk with their family through some, some difficult hardships. And, uh, and so he's, he's getting married, and uh, he is a, he's voted the best of the best DJ in all of South Dakota, and so we know it's going to be a party, uh, obviously. Um, but the officiant, the, the pastor that is going to be marrying him, was also in our youth group. And so uh, we're really proud of these guys. And, and going online and seeing, you know, the wedding party, it's just all of these friends that we've had for just decades that have, have grown really close to us. Uh, he's marrying a, a, a woman from, uh, from East Africa. And so the wedding invitation is pretty hefty. It was on one side, it was uh, Friday. The, wedding, uh, the, the African wedding ceremony starts at noon and goes till midnight. Then Saturday, we're doing it all over again with a Western uh, wedding, you know. And uh, my wife just said, Paul, we, we can't miss this. Like, you know, it, she, she said, she said, we, there's no way we can't not go to this. These are, all, these are our people and, and, and the kids that we had in the youth group. And it's just a reunion. And she said, and look at it. It's just going to be, we don't, we don't want to miss out uh, on this. And I was like, hey, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to convince me. I was, I was in before I opened the envelope, right? And um, so we go online uh, to, uh, to tell them that we're coming. And it says, you know, RSVP, yes, we're attending. Or it says, 
we are not attending, and so no with regret. And that's what we were saying. We're like, there's no way. Like, we, don't, we, we would regret not going uh, and being a part of, of these two coming together and the celebration that it's going to be. In, in our text today, Jesus is giving the third parable of kind of his uh, reprimand of the religious elite, the religious institution, the leaders that were confronting him about where he, ha- he has received his authority to teach the way that he taught, to say the things that he was saying. He was uh, in the temple in Jerusalem teaching a crowd, and he was approached by, basically interrupted by these leaders. And, and, and Jesus was only, it's only days away now before he would be arrested and go to the cross. And the way in which he's been talking to these religious leaders is only fueling their hatred of him. You'll see that in the way that this text uh, ends today. Um, but they had been questioning him about, his, about authority. And the first two parables that we studied last week answered that. Remember we talked about the, what was taking place in the vineyard. And their refusal to acknowledge who Jesus was was going to, to cost them. And it was also about obedience to that authority. That's how we show that we acknowledge what authority is, is by how we submit our humbleness and, and living into it. Producing spiritual fruit, Jesus had said. And remember, he, he told them, he said, look, tax collectors and, and prostitutes, sinners are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven before you will. Because they at least acknowledge their sin and understand me as Savior. And, and so, but you don't. And the only way that we, that we acquire that, the redemption of, of our sins is through Christ and Christ alone. And so he tells them the kingdom of God is going to be taken away from you. In other words, you, you don't believe. They didn't follow. They didn't obey. And so today's text takes us out of a vineyard and now puts us really in the home of, of uh, a king in preparation for a royal wedding. And Jesus is speaking truth and he's got no fear. He knows the direction that these religious leaders want to go, what they want to do to him. It says back in verse 45 that after the second parable, he tells them the kingdom is going to be taken away from them and they would be crushed. And they would understand that, that Jesus is saying, it, and, and it's because of my name. I'm the one. I, I, I'll be the judge over you. It says that, that they wanted to arrest him, but they feared the crowds because of the way the crowds viewed Jesus. But Jesus doesn't back down. It's almost like, hey, I've got, I have one more, one more story for you. And that's what we find today in, in the beginning of chapter 22. Let me read it for you. If you uh, would, let's stand. And this is what it says. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables and said, The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying tell those who were invited see i've prepared my dinner my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered everything is ready come to the wedding feast but they paid no attention and they went off one to his farm another to his business while the rest seized his servants treated them shamefully and killed them the king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city and he said to his servants the wedding feast is ready but those invited were not worthy 
Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment, and he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And the king said to his attendants, bind him hand and foot, cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This is God's word. You could have a seat. I'm going to jump right into it as we lead into a time of communion today and remembering what it is that that Jesus has done for us. Uh, and, And so just let me break this text down to you. Remember, this is a parable. Oftentimes, uh, there, there are many people I hear that they, they kind of say, well, Jesus said this, and like, yes, but that was in the context of a, of a parable. You have to read into it. You need to understand it. And so today, let me help you understand this parable just a little bit more. First of all, we should understand what an honor it is to be receiving an invitation. We've been thought of. We've been uh, put on, on, on the list, and we're desired to be there. But Jesus says, the kingdom, he says to these leaders, the kingdom's going to be taken away from you. The kingdom of heaven. Just, we, we've, we talk about this a lot because Jesus mentions it a lot. But just remember, the kingdom of heaven, we oftentimes envision the, the someday, the end of the book of Revelation, new heaven and new earth. Although that is true, uh, Jesus says a whole lot more than that about the kingdom of heaven. The The kingdom that's under the rule of the authority of a king is any territory that he rules at any given time. It's also his expectations. And so a submission to the king's expectations means you are living into the kingdom or you're living into the king's rule. Submitting to it is a part of building up the kingdom. Everything that we live under the rule of a king is by his power, his permission, and he owns all things. And so wherever we are, whatever it is that that, that we're doing in our lives, we are all, whether we want to admit it or not, we are living under the, the authority of a king. And Jesus even says, when you pray... Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. May we live lives, help us, Jesus, to live lives that, that show that, that we are under your rule, just like it is in all of eternity. So it's bigger than a someday. It means that, it means that the kingdom of heaven is today. John had said, uh, you know, had gone on and said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And now when Jesus shows up, he says the kingdom of heaven is Here, it's now on earth. I'm in charge. I'm the authority. And this is what the religious leaders are questioning. They refuse to believe it. How we live proclaims the kingdom that we are under. Romans 14, Paul is addressing a group of people uh, who had had basically been attacking other believers based on just what what they were eating, honestly. That, oh, what you're eating is... Is making you uh, kind of un, unholy, and and he he questions them, and he comes back and says, uh, "You have got to think differently. You got to think bigger than that. The kingdom of heaven is not food and drink. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is righteousness, peace, and joy. And he says, so let's pursue building each other up in that. That's 
how we live into the kingdom of heaven. We are we're expanding it by when we reach people with the lives that we live, reach them with the gospel, and we live into righteousness. When we live with peace, when we live with joy, we are proclaiming that we are a part of something different. This world says, yuck, right? I don't want, what, what, what good is this world? But we live under a different authority. We live differently. We live with righteousness and peace and joy because the king that we follow is perfect. So Jesus begins this parable talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says it can be compared to a king who throws a dinner. Actually, a cleaner interpretation of this is, is the kingdom of heaven is like what happens when. And so it's action. Not necessarily a location, but it is action. The kingdom of heaven is like what happens when a king throws a wedding feast for his son. We can see where Jesus is going with this because a parable is always a story with intent. There's always spiritual, uh, spiritual understanding. So we think about a king that is God the Father and he's got a son, his son Jesus Christ, and there is a wedding that is going to take place. We read about it as we, as we read through the New Testament, as we get into Revelation, there is going to come a day when the bridegroom is going to come for his bride. We just got done singing about it. We, the church, are his bride. And there is going to come a day when he promises, I'm coming, get yourselves ready for this. Passages like Isaiah 25, 6 talk about feasts. When, when, when royalty throws a feast, and Isaiah helps us to understand that, that if there's a feast prepared by God, it is, it's referring to the blessing of of a life to come. You're going to get fueled by, by this feast that he's giving you as well. It's something to look forward to. It's something you desire to be at. It's a really big deal. You don't want to miss it. So, so here we are in, in this parable that Jesus is giving us, understanding he's talking about himself. He's talking about God the Father, and he's talking about this, this feast that we want to be at. And invitations that have been given out. So the king sends out his servants and he says, you need to go out and you need to tell everybody it's ready to go. Bring him in. My son's getting married. He's going for his bride. Come and be a part of it. So the understanding is that, is that first of all, they know that it's going to take place. That's what's happening. And if you lived in this culture, this story would make so much more sense to you because that's how it operates. There's actually writings in ancient Jewish Writings, they're not biblical, but uh, from what we talk about, the, the Mishnah, it's kind of commentary on it. But there's a story in there of a, a wealthy man who um, makes a list of all the names of the people that he wants at his son's wedding, and, and he gives them to the servants, and they go out and they invite people. Well, there's this guy that, that was just evil, and he didn't get an invitation, but he decided he was going to show up anyway. And so this uh, wealthy man had to have him removed, and it was a huge scene. And so there, there was kind of this tradition that began after that, that when, when wedding invitations went out, they kind of went in, they went in twos. There was an initial, which has carried over for us today, you could say. There's a save the date, meaning, oh, we're, we're going to be invited to something. We need to get ready for that invitation. And then the next was that the servants were sent out to say, hey, uh, it's time. Did you save the date? Were you ready? it's time for the wedding to take place, so uh, you need to, to come. In, in ancient Middle East, word would, would spread as soon as a betrothal would take place. 
And so a young man would go to the father of the woman that he wanted to marry. He'd pay this, the bride price, the price to be paid. The father would say, yes, that's the value. That's just how it was in the culture of, of, of my daughter's hand. This young man would then go back home and he would do work at his father's house. He would add on to his father's house another room or another mansion. And when that room was ready, the father would say, looks good, go get your bride. Right? We, we understand this, right? This is, this is the picture of what is to come. We are the bride, his church. And we are waiting for one day when the father, who is the only one that knows the time, the day, and the hour, even the son doesn't know, when the father says, go get your bride, and Jesus returns and he comes for us, and we are a church, we're a bride that is, we're ready. We've put in the preparations. And that's what would take place. The bride uh, would, would get together, and it wasn't just her. It was her family, her village, because this is a big deal. She's marrying royalty. we got to get ready for this. And so everybody was, was working together, but they never knew when, when that man was going to come. But, but maybe the, the calf, the fat calf was there. It's just we weren't going to slaughter it until, until he shows up you know, over, uh, over that hill. But everything is ready to go for that moment when it's going to take place. It's going to be a really big day. You can imagine when a prince is getting married, the son of a king pulls out all the stops. This is a really big deal. Wedding of the century. You're never going to get another chance to get invited to something like this. I want to be there. To be invited to the wedding of the son of a king was the greatest invitation that you could ever receive. The invitation had gone out. Right? There's now this, this dual invite. And, and when the time comes, no one is willing to show up. This, this is a picture. Remember, this is a parable that's trying to get... Jesus is speaking specifically to a group of individuals who thought that they were the authority. And so the picture that is getting painted, the reason that he uses a wedding is to say to them, really, look, the inv- you, you got the first invitation. God made a covenant with Abraham and said, I'll be your God and you are my people. You just need to obey me and follow me. And when my Messiah comes, accept him and receive. And they've rejected him. They, had, they, got a, they even lived, they didn't, as we read through the Old Testament, this, these lives of disobedience. Not submitting to God's authority. And so God sent his servants. He sent prophets. Go and tell them to get ready. The Messiah is coming. And they still, when Jesus shows up, they reject him. John the Baptist shows up. right? He's the promised prophet that says, look, the kingdom of heaven is really close. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And they reject him. We don't, we're not interested in what the king is has for us. Paul says in Romans 11, as he talks of the Jewish rejection of Jesus, he's talking now to Gentiles, and, and he says, really, note the kindness that God has shown to you, the grace that God has shown to you, the honor that you have of being a part of his kingdom. Understand God's grace toward you. One commentator Uh, summed it up. He says, the wedding and the invitations to attend is a picture of grace of God that provides salvation for the world of sinful men through the connection with Christ. This story includes redemption and grace and the efficacy of the Holy Spirit. To be on the outside is rough, but to be invited 
is an honor. The problem is, and the struggle is, is that, is that the hearts of, of these religious elite is that they didn't see it as an honor. And Jesus is saying, You're, you've rejected the invitation into this relationship with the Father that comes through me. So let's look at the hearts of, of the invited. What happens next? Jesus is addressing their rejection of him. And so he, he kind of puts a twist on this. They're all invited to the wedding of a king, wedding of a king's son, but no one was willing to come. This would be, if you were in the crowd that day, living in the culture of that time, this is where you would laugh. Like, this is the funniest story I've ever heard. Because nobody in their right mind would get invited to a king's palace to celebrate the wedding of his son, our future king, and, and make other plans. Like, how ridiculous. What could be more important than, than being known, being invited, and then being a part of that celebration? You do not want to live with that kind of regret. Hey, why weren't you at the prince's wedding? Oh, I don't know. You know, my kid at a hockey game. You know, well, oh, wow. All right. You know, whatever it is. I had to wash my car. But that's what happens. They make excuses. One has to go off to his farm. One has to go off to his business. There's no urgency there. They're just not interested in being a part of it. And so they reject and the servants go out and nobody would listen to them and he says well go out again and tell him no it like it's now the the animals have been slaughtered and sacrificed i mean the, the food's been cooked the meal's ready we are having a party and the food's getting cold and we need you to show up come to the wedding feast there's nothing better that you can imagine in your entire life but they they paid no attention they actually went in an opposite direction I wrestled with this the other night. We were in our community life group, and we've been talking about uh, um, the new heaven and the new earth. And just we're kind of just, you know, as, as people do, you kind of, well, what does this mean? Well, what do you think that means? What's it going to look like? What's it going to be like? And we're talking about this wedding feast. We'll get to this at the end of the text of Revelation 19. And, and our, our fearless leader, uh, Andrew, he, he said, you know, if, if the lion lays down with the lamb in heaven, if, if there's peace, if there is no death, does that mean that there won't be any meat at, at that feast? So I'm looking for a new community life group. That, that's, that's all I, I don't need that kind of negativity in my life. There's levels that, that you go with your theology and doctrine, and he just, he, he took it over the line there. But then I th- as I thought about it, I think, you know what, we're still okay, because there's, there's not one bit of meat in a McRib, and so I'm pretty sure, you know, if heaven is all McRibs, I'm, I'm okay uh, with that. Uh, anyhow, um, so we, the feast is ready. Why, why would you not come? But they paid no attention. They made up excuses. John Calvin points out in this area that talks about how we so often allow the, the, the cares of this world to become so overwhelming in our life that what it does is we become so obsessed, so focused on them, is that our view of the kingdom of God then becomes really underwhelming. We're too busy building uh, our own kingdoms here that it takes away from the power of of God's kingdom that we are a a part of. And that's what happens here. They're just, look, 
Um, we're just not interested in, in coming to this celebration. So, so servants continued to go out, and it says that some of them were, were, were beaten and others were killed. And this is where Jesus is starting to get to present time. And he's saying, John the Baptist, and, and you didn't listen to him. You didn't follow him. And they took his life. He's, he's also proclaiming, I'm here to tell you who I am and what it is that you should, you should be doing and repent and change your life and follow me. And, and they're going to end up in just a few days taking Jesus' life. A total act of rebellion in the story against the authority of the king. Remember, that's the central focus of all of this, but they're they're rejecting the king when they reject his servants. We've seen that throughout the this the entire three years of Jesus' ministry as we've studied the book of Matthew. The religious elite always stood off by the wayside, casting judgment on everybody else. They they watched John baptize people, they watched people step into the waters of baptism, but they didn't want to, they didn't participate. They saw Jesus' miracles and what he taught, and they just sat back figuring out, how can we get rid of this guy? In just a few days' time, they're going to end up murdering him. The, the disciples are going to go out after Jesus commissions them, and he sends them out, and they're going to take that message out, and most of them are going to give their lives up for the sake of the gospel because they're going to be rejected. Even though this isn't a passage of a call to evangelism, it really is us for us to understand that there is the need for the right response in our lives to the invitation to follow Christ and to see God as our God. What I love what happens next. We see an extension. We read it all through the Old Testament. As much as they rejected God, He just continued to show grace to people. To give more time. Scripture says he's long-suffering. In other words, he, he endures our miserable reaction and response to him. as holding off his judgment to the end of time. But he continues to just allow us to live into his grace. We've got no choice but to receive it. To say thank you. Hebrews 3.15 says, Today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. That, that's, that's what we see in, in this story. Jesus is saying all of these guests that were invited, their hearts were hard. They didn't respond in a way that they should. They even went to as far as, as murdering people that were delivering an invitation. Hey, it's time to come. Good news. And treated terribly. So then we see in this then the heart of the king. And the king says, well, Everyone I invited that rejected showed themselves not worthy. Not worthy of being invited. Not worthy of, of being my guest, of being at my table. They've re- rejected me. And so, and so he says, so go, therefore. Maybe this is a, a kind of Jesus way of, uh, of getting them ready for this great commission that he would give to them. Go, therefore, out of the city and out into the roads at the, the intersections, is what the original translation says, and find everybody. Invite everybody. Because the great commission that will be given to us is to go into all the world, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, and, and spread the gospel. 
Those roads outside of, of a typical city, people might be picturing even Jerusalem, where the roads intersected, it meant that, that people were coming from all different countries and nations, and they were there on that road. So go out to the road and, and invite anybody that you, that you see, which is a great challenge to us. As we go, wherever we are, let people know about the king and his son and the invitation that we have. So the servants go out, they, they obey, they, they do. It says they shared an invitation to everybody. It says good and bad, which means it's a great message to us that, that one, we're just called to proclaim the gospel, not to judge who gets it or not. That's up to the, to the one that, that welcomes them. Our role, the king tells us, you just go and you find anyone who would be willing to receive the invitation and let them come. And it says the wedding hall got filled with guests. Acts 13, Paul's talking to the Jews, and, and he, says, he says, first of all, it, it was necessary that, that, that you received the truth first. That was God's desire. It was His command to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. But since you have rejected, Paul says, and you judge yourselves now unworthy, of eternal life, we will now offer it to the Gentiles. The gospel is available to everybody, good or bad, however you measure what that means. So you cannot think of yourself as too bad that you don't, you're not worthy of receiving the gospel. I will tell you this, none of us are. That's the great thing. That's why it's called the good news, because none of us deserve to be invited to be into a relationship with God the Father who is holy, and, and, and he says, but I want you. Your name from the beginning of time was put on my guest list. And I, I want you there. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we would be called children of God. And so we are. Right? This, that's about identity. We find our identity in Christ alone as a disciple of Jesus. But, we just, but it comes because of the grace, the mercy, and the love of the Father. Nothing that we've done. We are the wanderers in the road who aren't invited to the party, right? I mean, we shouldn't be. We don't deserve it. Psalm 14.3 says, nobody's good, not one person. But in His grace and through, through the message that, that we receive through God's people and His servants, the invitation goes out. And people came. They packed the place out. Why? Because... Any of us would, would want to be there. We'd drop everything. You, you, the president is, requiring, is requesting that you come and have dinner at the White House. Done. You know, I've got friends, but, but I don't have uh, that many friends that I would say, you know, I'd rather just hang back here with you than go to the White House and have dinner with the president. Don't read into that, by the way. Uh, so, but, but, but isn't that the case? And, and so everybody's there. The, the, the hall is filled, probably uh, overflowing. The king comes out. He takes a look at his guests. And what he sees, there's a man there with no wedding garment. Now, for me, early on as I would read this passage, I'm like, eh, that, that kind of take, takes a turn at the end. But everybody's been invited, and they all come. Well, there's, one, there's a one poor guy. He doesn't have nice clothes, and the, and the king doesn't want him there. How do we apply this to our lives? Well, the, the king walks up to him and he says, friend, which 
we understand, usually when that term is used, Jesus used it with Judas too when he got betrayed. It was, it's kind of a, I know what you've done. I know what you're doing. Calling him friend, but do you really see me as friend? Because if you saw me as friend, you wouldn't do what it is that you are doing. He says, how did you get in here, friend, without a wedding garment? And this is where it is vital. So we don't misinterpret Scripture to think that, well, uh, because he didn't look good, because he didn't play the part, because he didn't show up for church in nice clothes, obviously he's not a real Christian. That is not the truth at all. That's not what this is saying. It's why culture understands, why I love digging deep into the history and the culture of things. Because typically, if you were invited uh, to a wedding of royalty or somebody wealthy, and that person knows you, Wedding feasts, feasts, banquets. We read about it all throughout the Old Testament. But in ancient culture, really, those big meals were a time when, when you kind of showed the, the city and the people around, based on where you sat your guests, who were the guests of honor, and then, and then at the very end, the person of kind of, of the least amount of honor, almost shame. And, and so that's how they would be seated. So you knew that people were watching when you came to a, a feast like that, that where are people sitting, uh, and what is it? You could w- look at them and see what they were wearing to know if they, were, if they were really important people or if they were poor, that they didn't have much. So if you were a, a wealthy person, if you were a king, and you were inviting people in to say, come to my table, and, and I, it's, today is not about, it's not about dividing up the people at the table. It's not about where you sit, and it's not about where you, what you wear. You did not want to shame somebody. You didn't want them to not come because well, I don't have any good wedding clothes. And, and so what you did, knowing that you wanted them there and, and that you didn't want them to reject it because of that, along with the invitation, you also sent them wedding garments. So when you as a guest would receive the invitation, but you, you also got a brand new, beautiful outlet, outfit that matches the, the, the host that, that's having this feast, you would put it on. And no matter what you felt about yourself, when you walked through the doors, everybody that saw you saw you as equal. But it was only because it was the king that clothed you in what it is that you would wear. So that helps us to understand What's taking place in this parable? Somebody tried to sneak in thinking, ah, I, I don't need it. What he's doing actually is he's, he's still rebelling against the king. I, I'm not going to submit to what it is that you want from me. I don't care what anybody else thinks. and I don't care what you think about it. So that's why the king has to approach him. Who do you think you are? Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't want you to be shamed. I didn't want you to have to live hiding from people. I went to the expense. I paid the price for your wedding garment and you threw it away? Which means that that you don't want to have a relationship with me. And so he tells the servants, so bind him up, cast him out into darkness. There'll be weeping and, and gnashing of teeth. So let's drive this home as we lead into communion. Revelation 19 talks about this incredible day when the bridegroom comes for his bride, for the church. Christ comes for us to take us home into eternity, to be with him. And Revelation 19 says he comes for his bride 
who is dressed in fine linens. And then it tells us right after that, it says, uh, the, the linens are the righteous deeds of the saints. In other words, Jesus is coming back and his expectation when he comes for his church is that we've actually lived into being his invited guests. Not that we look the part, but that we've lived the part, that we understand what it is that he had done for us. That we could receive this gift of eternal life and that we would put off the old self, we would put on the new self, and we would live into what it means to be a child of God. Response is is not just the invitation, but understanding that being invited means living out a great respect for being seen as a guest. The king wants me. Many are called, few are chosen. God's chosen me. My name is is on that invite list. So I'm going to do whatever it takes out of gratitude to show myself as as a worthy guest. Not because if I live worthy, then I'm going to be invited. We're invited, so I'm going to live to show that the king isn't wrong and that I live into the joy of I can't believe that you would want me there. So Romans 13, 14 says we need to discard the old and just put on Christ. That's the heart of the king. He wants us there. Desires that none should perish. But it says the king commanded this man be bound, cast into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When I was little, I watched Looney Tunes a lot. Yosemite Sam would get hit with a hammer or something, and down through the ground he'd go and he'd be in hell. And it was just all of this fire. Scripture talks about that. What an eternity separated from God will be. I think fire is the least of problems. I think even worse than that would be, I think, what, what this man in the story probably experienced. Regret. I heard the invitation. I rejected the call. I didn't, I, I had an invitation, but I didn't, I didn't live into it. I didn't respond to it and now forever forever all of eternity i have to exist knowing that i had the chance and i rejected it we have a holy god who has a great expectation for us and that is to live holy lives the good news is knowing that scripture talks about that what an eternity separated from god will be i think fire is the least of problems I think even worse than that would be, I think, what, what this man in the story probably experienced. Regret. I heard the invitation. I rejected the call. I didn't, I, I had an invitation, but I didn't, I didn't live into it. I didn't respond to it. And now forever, forever, all of eternity, I have to exist knowing that I had the chance and I rejected it. We have a holy God who has a great expectation for us and that is to live holy lives. The good news is, knowing that none of us can live that holy life, Jesus did. And he went and he made that sacrifice 
And so the invitation is there. Do you receive Christ? Do you see him as Lord? Do you acknowledge him as authority over your life? And then do you live into that? Do you prove yourself by just saying, I'm going to live into knowing that I have been invited by putting on the clothing of righteousness and desiring every day to grow into it. The external profession of faith is not sufficient proof that God is going to acknowledge everybody who appears to have received the invitation. Did it make an impact in your life? Do you make Jesus true Lord over your life? Ephesians 1.4 says, He chose us before the beginning of the world that we would be holy and blameless before Him. The divine election, Calvin says, is that specific part of God's eternal grace which accepts the saints whom He has succeeded in clothing in Christ's righteousness as His own forever in eternal glory. Have you allowed God to do His work in your life? If not, today is the day. The invitation is there. Accept it. Have no regrets. God desires that nobody is going to perish, but a holy God demands righteousness, and that can only come through Jesus. Nothing that we've done. His heart is love, but that love is pure, and a rejection of that demands justice, just like the king in this story, because God is just. If we reject the invitation, we're rejecting Him, and the consequence is eternal separation. Because without judgment, there's no need for salvation. That just means everybody gets in. Make the choice today. Accept the invitation. Don't reject so that we are not rejected. Let's pray. Father, this morning we love you and we praise you. Thank you for your beautiful word. God, it's my hope, my desire. It's been my prayer that that I would just be able to get out of the way so that we all could hear and understand what it is you want us to know. God, all we can do today is just say thank you. It's so humbling to know that, that the invitation has gone out. Father, everyone in this room has heard it. May we all respond in the way that you desire of us. Forgive us for oftentimes not living into it, living as though we deserve to be at that wedding feast. But we long for that day, God, where we sit around and we look around and everybody there is such joy because we know that none of us deserve to be there. But we're there because of your mercy, your grace, your love, and your beautiful son, Jesus Christ. Amen.